0: Subscribe for free to The Grizzlies Podcast. Now available on iTunes, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app. This is The Grizzlies Podcast. Welcome to The Grizzlies Podcast here at the Commercial Appeal. We've been gone a really long time. And you're going to hear voices you probably have not heard on this Grizzlies podcast before. I'm Mark Giannotto, the CA Sports columnist. I'm joined by David Cobb, our Grizzlies beat writer. We are coming to you live from 495 Union Avenue, uh, just about an hour after uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, Garrett Temple, and Omri Caspi uh, addressed the fight that our altercation, I guess we're calling it an altercation, or fight. Altercation. I like fight. Yeah, I like fight too. Um, yeah, Wednesday night was for fighting um, at FedEx Forum, um, and after the Grizzlies lost for the eighth time in ten games, dropped below five hundred for the first time since their season season opening loss to Indiana, they are eighteen and nineteen now. Um, have a game against the Nets Friday, um, followed by San Antonio Saturday. But just in general, it's basically after. They start out the season twelve and five. Look like they might be a surprise playoff team. Um, basically, over the entire month of December, they've been trending in the wrong direction, and now I would be surprised if they make the playoffs. But um, everyone's talking about the fight. Um, so, David, just you were there last night. Take us through what it was like, just the post game scene, and then what you think. This all means in the grand scheme of things.
1: What I would like to think is that as first-year Grizzlies and first-time Memphians, that Garrett Temple and Omri Caspi are so invested in the culture of this city that they decided to imitate Memphis wrestling. Yeah. You know, they've got five Memphis wrestling promotional nights and m- maybe they just got confused and just thought that last night was one of those nights. And they decided to to do their their best Memphis wrestling well, and
0: their and friends. Like I did a column on Omri Caspi towards the beginning of the year. And I asked him, like, which guys on the team I should talk to him about him who know him best. And he was like GT and, and Chandler Parsons. So this was a classic heel turn. Right. It was just there's just some roughhousing. Yeah. That's all that was.
1: Yeah, Garrett said it was just a couple of brothers. What That's what he said, right? It's just brothers disagreeing today. So, you know, they're downplaying it.
0: Yeah. but So, I mean, what is it just just that this happened? I mean, they were obviously, you know, it was a disappointing loss, and J.B. Bickerstaff felt the need to have, he called it a conversation that wasn't about X's and O's and was about larger issues. That was the phrase he used. Um, but what do you think it all means? Like, just that all this has happened? Like, where is this team right now? Well,
1: I read an analysis uh, on Thursday that is going to be in Friday's paper, and it's about, I think, that there's a leadership void with this team, and I think that Mike Conley and Mark Gasol are adjusting to life, being healthy simultaneously for the first time since Zach Randolph and Tony Allen were a part of this franchise. To me, I think it's a bad sign that it took JB bringing up some of these issues in the locker room after the slides been going on this long for some of these grievances to be aired. Because I think in, in the era of Tony and Zach, I think these things were coming out and being addressed head on before they reached these sort of tipping points.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic in that locker room right now. Um, and I think it's an interesting time for JB as a coach because he's a first time head coach, you know, the first time he hasn't been an interim head coach. Um, And this this is a team that was more so, obviously, than last year and certainly more so than when he was in Houston. Like, this is built in his image, sort of. Obviously, the front office acquires the players, but this is his vision. And he seemed to be pressing all the right buttons the first month of the season. And now it seems like every button he pushes doesn't work. I think people, you know, people are upset with how he's using Jaron Jackson. There's been grumbles about, you know, his reliance on Shelvin Mack. Um, you know, there's the whole Chandler Parsons deal, which we can get into. Um, you know, the fact that it appears the front office isn't activating Chandler, partly because JB would probably use him and they don't want him to use him. Um, and so it's, uh... It's a fascinating time for him, well, too. Well,
1: and he had a front-row seat last year when David Fisdale perhaps over himself, or at least he did in, in the eyes of some, and, and that led to his his dismissal uh, at the hands of Marcus Saul. So, so having had a front-row seat for that, it's a precarious situation for him because how many buttons does he try and press? How hard does he push these guys? How hard does he work them uh, on a practice between games like today – uh, when something like this has happened, because all these things matter because he 's had a front row seat to see you know what happened last season um with a good friend of his and david fisdale and and all these circumstances that you've just mentioned sort of add to that and I think you're right i think he 's in a in a tough spot, especially for a, a coach who has his first time full time head head coaching opportunity he was an interim you know last season he was an interim in Houston, but this is his first go round and and there's a lot to sort through right now.
0: Yeah, no, and it's... I mean, you look at it on the court. I mean, honestly, it's funny. Last night, they've been giving up a lot of threes defensively. But really, I mean, to me, the crux of the problem is is sort of not simple, but easy to kind of identify. One, it feels like Mark and Mike... This team was built to be reliant on Mark and Mike playing really well, being like top 35 players in the NBA together. And over the last month, it's been very rare... Where but whether it's via because of injury or just because they've not been assertive or what have you, it's been rare that both of them have played well together at the same time in the same game um for a long period of time. And two, I mean, as much as you want to emphasize defense, you gotta be able to score a hundred points consistently in today's NBA. And this team the parts around Mark and Mike. I mean, the Garrett Temples, the Shelvin Max, the, you know, about the only guy who's seen, only two guys who seem to be trending sort of in good directions are Kyle Anderson and Jaron Jackson. Um, everyone else on the roster has, you know, it's been very hit or miss when they actually can contribute to the team's success offensively. Um,
1: yeah, I think you can throw Dylan Brooks into the category of somebody who's, I think they hope is going to continue to provide a spark, but, if you're waiting on him to save your team, then it's not going to happen.
0: So- I mean, it was just striking watching last night. Like, even Detroit, a below 500 team in the Eastern Conference, has like seven guys who can hit threes. And the Grizzlies have what, you know, two or three? Like, Mike Conley, like, the, their two best three point shooters might be their four and their five, Jaron Jackson <laughs> and Marcus Hall. Um And, you know, part of it is, you know, they have this sunken cost in Chandler Parsons. Where you're basically using up, you know, a good chunk of your salary cap to a player who you're either not using or when he's actually healthy enough to play, he's not close to the player you thought you were getting when you signed. So there, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, they're going through these issues and but you look big picture and like, you know, they're they're gonna be able to solve like Omri Caspi and Garrett Temple like that a week from now it's gonna be like whatever to be honest that fight part you think of they're it, gonna
1: get over it I think so yes you don't think they'll be around too what do you think well, David I don't know I mean I, I would think they can get over it but I mean it's fun to no. ta- it's fun to talk about right it's fun to no gonna... for
0: sure but no but like my point is is that there's gonna be these large issues of the fact that what this team is running into. Is why we all had these doubts going into the season of whether this team could be successful because they're, they it's a, it's a front office that wants to compete right now while also sort of rebuilding for the future and like having two competing agendas like that. It's there's a reason why most NBA teams either rebuild or compete.
1: The the comparison for, I made earlier was it's like the St. Louis Cardinals as of late. They've just been in this awkward like we're not going to make a huge crazy acquisition. Or and we're also not going to tank, and so and they've just barely missed the playoffs, and everyone's frustrated, and they had to make a managerial change last year. Um, but these are all very important issues. I don't know. I just the thing that I just keep coming back to that I keep visualizing in my head is if if part of this altercation that occurred the other night was due to the fact, as it's been reported, that uh, Omri Caspi took exception to the notion that the bench is not providing enough energy in terms of its. Just support of the starting lineup. Um, I would really like to see um, Omri like do some cartwheels on the bench, or just some like crazy like mid-major esque, you know, <laughs> celebrations. Like the next time like Garrett Temple makes a three pointer, I want Omri Caspi to like I start be th- like the Japanese
0: ch- guy from Major League Two, like on the side. Oh right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ma- Marvin well, the Gar- the when Garrett hits a big three, doing the marbles <laughs> dance. Marbles the, you know, the, the, the side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, they do need some brevity in the locker room, it seems like. And, you know, I mean, like, honestly, part of the problem, you know, we we talk about Mark and Mike. I mean, what was a little distressing to me about last night is you got Mike on one part of side of the locker room admitting that, you know, leadership really doesn't come naturally to him. Like he is a he's not vocal leadership does not come naturally to him. He is a lead by example guy. And then you've got Marcus All going. I'm going to be more vocal, even though I realize that in the past, me being vocal has caused issues. Um, like <laughs> that's just, you know, like when you think about it, like it's like, uh oh. Um, and like, you know, to be honest, like Garrett Temple is known as one of those guy, like a good locker room guy, like with the Wizards. When I was covering the Wizards a little bit in DC. He, even though he was like just really getting his footing in the NBA, he had spent you know the beginning of his career bouncing around leagues and the G League and all that stuff. But like he was known as like a really calming influence he, in the locker room.
1: I, I definitely agree with that notion, and I, I can visualize that, and I think I've seen that in his short time here in Memphis. But I'll say that in a locker room where, as a 32-year-old veteran like Garrett Temple, as you come in, this is your first year with the franchise – your probably prob-
0: possibly your last year because well, he's in a contract
1: year, and you're probably going to defer to mike and mark but but if that hasn't been there from those guys then it's created a vacuum or a void and you know i think whatever happened last night was a manifestation of that to a certain degree obviously losing lo- it's a manifestation of losing uh because as everyone has said rightly so that winning cures everything and uh winning really masked a lot of this team's deficiencies early in the season. Well, I mean, yes,
0: yes, absolutely. But I also think their deficiencies were, like, part of the reason they were good early in the year is because a guy like Shelvin Mack was shooting the lights out of the ball. Right, and And Garrett was, too. And Garrett was playing really well. And you were getting, you know, Marshawn Brooks was contributing, and, you know... It's crazy because they were... Jamichael played really well when he got back, you know?
1: They were better... They were better in the game when they had to trot Yuta Watanabe out there as part of the rotation because they were so injured and banged up. They were better then than they are now when literally every active when every player that they have, including the two way guys, are healthy.
0: Well, I think when you look at the metrics, the starting lineup is fine. Like they're starting out games pretty well. I guess like you know you could argue in the fourth quarter they've been too reliant on Mike Conley, and you'd like to see Mark be more assertive. It's, it's when those reserves come in the game I mean when you look at uh, when you look at their plus minus and sort of just how the team tr- shoots the ball and defends the ball bo- defends when they're in the game that those those subs they' the second five so to speak have not been good and like you know and then they're in the dilemma JB's in the dilemma of you know at the beginning of the year when he was you know he was leaning on mark really hard. And then Mark got injured and, you know, Mike has, is now nicked up with a shoulder. It's not serious, but like, you know, you can't, those guys are at an age where they're not over the hill, but they're certainly not like, I would say they're closer to the, closer to the end of their careers than to the beginning. You can't lean on them to play 35 to 40 minutes every night. You've got, it's gotta be closer to 30 and you need to, and that's where, you know, I think the, the the Chandler Parsons whole so to speak like they're de- they they have a lot of depth you know they have a lot of players that i guess are usable sort i guess i don't know what the right word is but like i don't know if they're de- they don't have very many players that are dependable yeah. you know
1: well, well let me pose a question to you guys all right so we've established that the franchise as a whole this franchise in the big picture view is sort of in this awkward in between phase of really trying to compete and also rebuilding, and so they're they're in the situation they're in. But this year, you know, they've essentially been tasked with making the playoffs with the parts that they have. What can they do this season to rectify this to make the playoffs? Uh, you got a month till the trade deadline. I'm, well, I'm tri- well, I would
0: argue the the franchise the the front office is saying the playoffs is the goal. To me, the goal is conveying that boss that Celtics pick that they you know not fin- not. Not getting a top eight pick, essentially, that would be that would to me be a more reasonable goal than making the playoffs. So
1: you convey the pick and don't make the playoffs, and Mark Giannotto uses thinks that's a successful season for this franchise.
0: I wouldn't say successful, but it would be it would to me it would be fine. Like I wouldn't be like this is it wouldn't it would this wouldn't be awful. And I'd like I don't necessarily want them to make the playoffs. I feel like they need to be competing for a playoff spot until the end of the season. That's what I'm hoping for for the franchise and that would mean conveying the boss to pick. I don't need them to make the playoffs to declare this a successful season. If they bottom out and only finish, you know, they they have 18 wins right now and finish with like less than 35 wins this year or something like that, then yes, maybe I would say it's disappointing, but if they're like hover, you know, they finish with 35 to 45 to 35 to 42 wins, I wouldn't it wouldn't be like I wouldn't be jumping on the rooftops being like, They did it, guys, they did it. But I'd be like, you know, they did okay. You know, I would so So
1: you do that, you can convey the pick to Boston, then you've essentially got a very similar team next season. What's the goal with that team with Mike and Mark a year older? Well that's that's what I'm saying. They're
0: in this weird spot in that like honestly, like next year, like one, you gotta figure out what's gonna happen with Mark, you know, because I think for the franchise you know, I'm not necessarily saying they need to like Mark should go to another team, but I think it's not in their best interest necessarily for him to just sign that player option and have like him taking up 25 million dollars of your cap. I think what you would want to do is convince him. Is I think the ideal scenario for Memphis with Mark Gasol because I don't think as the as a franchise I wouldn't want to see him going for a championship somewhere else. I would want to convince convince him to sign like a 4-year deal for less money. Like less less money per year but give him more years with the franchise. And that way you open up some more cap space it, it, for yourself to to help the team.
1: They could make a decent free agent acquisition this offseason if they were to renegotiate Gasol's contract now assuming he opts out. And also if they were to stretch Chandler and do mm-hmm. and renegotiate Mark, they would have enough Cap space to make it a decently well. Here's the problem
0: one, it's hard to lure free agents to Memphis. How many big time free agents or even like good free agents have ever picked Memphis since the Grizzlies came here? Most of the guys they've gotten have been either through draft or through trade.
1: Joakim Noah, brah. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Um, and two, the other thing I think a lot of fans would argue is you know. At what point do you just have to, you know, like does the Mark and Mike thing become, you know, do you have to just sort of not hit the reset button but really start thinking about how are we going to build this team around Jaron Jackson? Well, to and, me,
1: if they renegotiate Mark this summer, th- that's a, a clear sign of that because at that point his salary goes down from something in the $20 millions to, you know, somewhere closer. But to would his, you rather
0: spend like 10 to $15 million on a… You know, good but not great free agent, or is it better for the franchise long term to, you know, have a convey the pick to Boston for this year and then have a crummy season next year and add another top five, top 10 pick to go along with Jaron Jackson? I, I don't know. I mean, like, I know that, you know, if Robert Per is genuine in the interview he did recently that he's not planning to move the team from Memphis. You know, I would argue it might be better to have, you know, to start thinking about really start collecting some chips, long term chips, rather than prolonging what we're seeing. Now, at the same time, if the Grizzlies can turn around this year and prove and maybe like maybe they get the seven or eight play seat, like maybe that's reason enough to like, you know, let's keep this rodeo going, even though we know it's not leading to, you know it's going to lead to just a first round playoff exit. But like, what, I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world either. It's a, that's what that, this whole franchise is in this weird spot where like, I don't know if there's a, there's a great answer to how they get out of this, you know, like at best, if you, if you continue down the road, you're on at best, you're going to get, you know, maybe you get another playoff berth or two out of it. Um, and at worst you're delaying the rebuild. So, you know, it's a, this, like, that's why I said that like this fight to me was like meaningless, but it, you know, in terms of the grand scheme of things, like in the moment, it's like, Oh my God, they got in a fight. But like what it's done, this whole meeting and this fight just illuminates what we were talking about in the preseason. And what sort of this fast start masked in that this franchise is in this weird gray area that very few NBA teams are in. They're either, feel like they can compete to be a contender or they're bottoming out and trying to, you know, trying to, and the Grizzlies are nothing like they are not, not nothing, but they're just like, they are neither, neither of those, they're neither of those things. And, you know, I guess it can, you know, if you're doing it for attendance purposes, I mean, I've been at a lot of Grizzlies games this year Other than when like LeBron was here and, you know, like it's not really helping attendance, you know, like the the fan base here is not, I don't think, I don't feel they're enamored with Mark and Mike to the point where just because you keep going, they're going to keep going to the games.
1: I think it's reached a point now where Jaron receives the loudest cheers at the starting lineups when they're announced.
0: He should. He's like hope, you know, like as much as you hate to say this, because Mark and Mike's playing at a pretty high level still. And Mark, you know, the first couple months of the year looked really good. But like you hate to say it, like it feels like the city is bored with mark and mike
1: that's fair that's accurate um
0: it, it, even though they respect what they've contributed to the franchise and what they mean to the franchise and will forever do so probably yeah oh yeah i mean their jerseys are going to be retired here yeah but at the same time i think because there's no there's not that that i think people realize what the ceiling is with those two at this point here's, and, a, here's
1: a hypothetical mark say you're in the front office and things are really 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 going bad and it's clear by mid-March that they're not going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Do you cut a couple of guys on expiring contracts and bring Tony and Zach in to finish out the season?
0: Well, the, the Sacramento's got to buy out Zach first. Um I mean Tony, I mean, it sounds like Tony if you just you could he they, he's just here in Memphis. It sounds like just hanging out or wherever he lives. Um no, I don't, yeah, I mean, like, I guess you can bring them in, it's like a nostalgia thing, just, like, I mean, if you're going to do that, just bring them in and do the jersey retirement, like, and do, like, have, like, a, you know, that's, I I would not, no, I would not, I'd rather, like, honestly, I'd if you're going to totally bottom out like that, I'd rather you do what you did last year and, like, maybe try and find a guy like Marshawn Brooks with a 10-day contract who, you know, just give a bu- out a bunch of 10-day contracts and see if anyone's sticks, um, you know? Or give, like, a guy, like, you know, like, if, like, if you bring in Tony Allen, is he going to take away minutes from Dylan Brooks? I don't want that, you know? So, no, I would not do a nostalgia. I would not, like, bring, it's like you want to bring, like, Hulk Hogan back to WrestleMania. No, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But, I don't know. Well, David, you're new to the beat. What, like, you've been around this team quite a bit now. Like, what are your impressions of just the dynamics of this whole franchise and, and at sort of the players on this team and how the how how jb's what jb's sort of not control but just his grip on this team is like how how, what's sort of been your observations now that you've been around this team a couple months
1: well did i tell you guys i I did meet robert para the other night okay so i've been around a couple of months what do he smell like i'm just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wh- is he yeah. real is
0: he like you know is he <laughs> yeah So it's,
1: it's uh interesting because i feel like there's people who have been around a while and and haven't had a chance to meet robert para so i felt like when i saw him and what Sac- did he say to you when i saw him in sacramento the other night i was like oh wow like i need to make a point to introduce myself to to robert para and so he was courtside um at, for the king's game in sacramento and, uh, and i saw him over there and um so i went over there and and um no, it wasn't going to ask him anything on the record. It just wanted to introduce myself to him, put a face with a name. You know, I don't know if he reads my stuff, but if he does, you know, it's good. You mean to, he's is
0: he a digital subscriber to the CA? Uh, uh,
1: well, he should be. I mean, you can get you can get three months for a dollar right now. Is right? he listening so, right now? I'm now, at dot com. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I introduced myself and uh, I was like, well, first I was like, hey, Robert, and he he stood up and he was like, yeah, and he looked, you know, really like excited about greeting me and, and everything and i was like you thought
0: hey. you were a fan right, right. Yeah. and then
1: i was like hey i'm david cobb i'm from the commercial appeal and his face kind of dropped a little bit and i was like oh no, i just wanted to." But interview- that means
0: he knew what the commercial <laughs> appeal was like, um,
1: okay i was like i was like well hey i just want to introduce myself to you here's my card you know um would love to catch up sometime in memphis and you know the the look of sort of fear and trepidation sort of left his face and he's oh, okay nice to meet you and anyway i, di- I didn't press him anymore uh, on that but but i do think that the ownership's an interesting dynamic with this franchise Did you,
0: i would have loved to ask him because i've that's apparently the second sacramento game he went to this year like why is he in sacram what why is he apparently in sacramento more than memphis <laughs>
1: that's a really nice arena that's a maybe he's interested in the arena because that was the thing that's struck me about about Mm -hmm. that venue was how nice it was relatively small market you know like memphis and uh so maybe maybe he's interested in the arena that's one thing that crossed my mind but but overall i would say the things that have stuck out to me about this franchise is, is like i said earlier i think right now there's a little bit of a leadership void and i think that jb is a as a young head coach the second youngest head coach in the nba who's known as a player's coach who, as we discussed earlier, had a front row seat for the way Fisdale's tenure ended, uh, who is kind of regarded as, as a player's coach. I think that he's in a tough spot in terms of kind of putting his foot down and having things his way. And I think that Mike and Mark are in this awkward phase of adapting at a late stage in their careers. They're over the age of 30 and in a position where they're having to adapt to the new leadership style that's required of them. And that's, something that has stuck out to me during this slump, during this stretch of struggling. Because, you know, when this team really had it going, when this franchise was winning 50-plus games a year and the whole grit-and-grind thing was at its peak and at its best, there were these distinct moments in games where Tony Allen or Zach Randolph would do something demonstrative. And, I mean, they would dive on the floor for a loose ball, you know, get... A key possession, get a steal, get a nasty bucket, throw an elbow into somebody's neck, you know, just do something that just ignited the bench, ignited the crowd, and gave life to the franchise. And there's nobody giving life to this franchise at the moment other than, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. And apparently, uh, what were you?
0: An Omri Caspi right cross or a, <laughs> you know, a Garrett Temple uppercut. Maybe that's the, maybe this maybe this will be the impetus for them to turn it around they just needed you know the it's fight been, night in the locker room it's
1: been brought up uh, that the uh, oj mayo fight with tony allen over uh, that was on players, a plane you know, on I a believe. plane i think there was a card game of some sort involved so it was i don't think it was the disintegration of team chemistry or some sort of on-court manifestation of some on-court issue but you know uh, chris wall said today when you know in the past these things he basically said he indicated that in the past sometimes these things have have worked and as a galvanizing galvanizing force Uh, when i
0: talked to bernie bickerstaff jb's dad today he he said like you know he's been a coach for like 35 years and then be a coach or executive he he said like this he like jb he kind of talked about this as if it's like kind of normal and he's like yeah at least they show shows they care at least yeah like he didn't seem to care that much about it well
1: like there were no visible wounds on any of them at practice and you know, these are grown men, and and they were both at practice. So, I mean, there's going to be some sort of internal discipline. But at the end of the day, this is something that's fun to talk about. You know, it's it's on this team now to get it right, fight or no fight. It's on this team to get it right, to get this thing going back in the right direction.
0: It'll be interesting. Maybe we'll look back on this moment as, you know, when they figured it out again. I don't know. Um, but y'all should uh, – You should be following David on uh, Twitter, at David W. Cobb. He's been doing a phenomenal job since he got on the beat. No need for any altercations here to jumpstart his coverage. Um, Yeah, and we'll we'll be coming back with this podcast more regularly moving forward. We're probably going to do some player interviews, hopefully get some guests in here, um, because just like there's been a leadership void with the Grizzlies, there has been a podcast void with the CA's Grizzly Podcasts, so. Well,
1: and there's a chance, Mark, that as you prepare to become a father that that could we could be missing you from this podcast. And and I would like to say that I I endorse the name Omri Garrett Giannato for your child. He can go by the name OG Giannato.
0: He could he could be an OG. We'll see. Um I don't know if my wife's going to be okay with that, but I've left the naming up to her because you know she runs she she wears the pants in our relationship, unfortunately. <laughs> um yeah, we'll be back uh probably next week, maybe a week after that. we we'll, we'll this will be fairly regular, so you should stay tuned. But uh till next time, I was Mark, I was joined by David. Thanks to Jason Muns for producing. Uh yeah, enjoy the
1: fights. I'm Sean King. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of the commercial appeal. Abil-